Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. A very warm welcome uh, to 2024 to you all. I want to jump right in, so uh, please go to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11 is where we're going to be. Once you get, uh, you're, hopefully, if you, if you haven't gotten a Bible and you need one, keep that hand nice and high so they can see you. Uh, Luke 11 is where we're going to be. And you know, um, I promise you, I promise you, I didn't even talk to Andoni throughout this week, uh, but he, for offering, did the very passage that I'm preaching on today. And so these things just happen. It's like, what the heck? How does that happen? It's like the Holy Spirit is, is doing something. Uh, You know, one of my visions for our church, like one of the core driving things that I want for all of you that call Saints Hill home, is that every person would have a vision. Every single person in this room, you would have a vision for your life. You would catch a glimpse of your purpose, and you would begin to walk in that purpose. In fact, I actually think that if you look at your life and you don't have any vision, a lot of people just say, I don't know what it is, I just have anxiety and depression. You actually probably don't have, some of you have an anxiety and depression, but probably what's underneath it is that you don't have any vision in your life. You don't, exp- you don't have purpose. You don't have a reason for your existence. And God, you know, we talked about this last week. God actually made you, and when he was making you, he didn't leave you without purpose. He embedded purpose into the very creation of your life. There are good things for you to walk in that he prepared for you in advance before your life. So one of the greatest desires of my life is that when you intersect with this house, when you come here and when you stay here, when you learn here, when you rub shoulders with the people who are here, that you find yourself walking away with vision for your life. Vision for your life. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what makes vision possible. What makes all of that desire that I have actually possible? So Luke 11, verse 1, let's stand for the reading of Holy Scripture. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said, to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, re- who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. You know, this is the one thing that we see Jesus actively teaching his disciples to do. Most of what we would consider, you know, when you think about what are the teachings of Jesus, they're really mindset shifts. They're stories, uh, truth kind of embedded within metaphor and stories to give you a new way of seeing God and seeing the world. But here, Jesus is teaching an action, and the action is prayer. And what it seems to me is that Jesus believed this was the one thing, the one act that they must learn from which all other kingdom activity comes from. So, you you know, you think about all the things that Jesus did when he came to earth, uh, healing, uh, casting out demons, uh, the, the kind of conversations he had, the prophetic insight, the words of knowledge that he had for different people. All of those things, all that kingdom activity are actually byproducts because you never see him teaching how to cast out demons. He just says to do it. This is the thing that he actually teaches because all of those other things are byproducts of a life of prayer. But I think that that word prayer could be a bit misleading for what we're really talking about because in the church, in the West, when we think of prayer, we think of a meeting. So we're going to pray more. What should we do? We'll have more meetings, more prayer meetings. Or we think of uh, petition, petitioning God when something bad is happening. I had uh, lunch with a pastor a couple years ago, and he said, uh, when do you pray? And I was like, I pray all the time. I pray, you know, in the morning. I pray in the evening. I pray throughout the day. My whole life is open to God. My whole mind is open to God. And he's like, but when do you really pray? And what he meant by that is when do you petition? Because when we think of prayer, we tend to think of just petition. Or maybe prayer for you is something that you do at a meal. You pray at a meal, you thank God for the meal, or it's something you do before bed with your kids. No, what Jesus is talking about is far more than that idea. Jesus is teaching a lifestyle of being with God, a whole life of being connected to God. In a word, prayer for Jesus is connection to God. And that is what I believe the year of 2024 will be, will be the year of connection. The year of connection. Now, uh, be honest with me. Is that a little bit of a letdown of a word for the year? <laughs> because I, I wrote it down. I thought, I don't think I could come up with a more suburban-sounding word than connection. The year of connection. You know, that word is almost completely devoid of meaning after the past 25 years of suburban ministry. And trust me, I wish there was another word. I really did. Like, all week long, I'm like, how about the year of communion, God? Or how about the year of communication? Or how about the year of hearing? No, no, no. It's the year of connection. But I'm not talking about a milk toast, benign luncheon on a Sunday after church. I'm not talking about a small group of strangers in a house awkwardly on a Tuesday evening. That's not the kind of connection I'm talking about. I'm talking about real connection with God. Real knowing of your creator. I'm talking about this. 
You know, um, any parent in the room, you'll be able to resonate with this. Uh, my wife and I have struggled with disciplining our children. Can I just confess that? We've struggled with disciplining our children. Do you know how many times we have disciplined our kids and we just are like, I have no idea if that will be forever damaging or if that will shape them into the person that God intended them to be? I got no clue. Uh, and sometimes you're like, we're doing this. That's what we do in our house. And then you're like, we are never doing that again because that turned out horribly. So, you know, we, we have made a lot of mistakes in discipline. I've made a ton of mistakes in disciplining our children. Uh, but we've been learning a lesson. We've been learning. We haven't learned it, but we've been learning a lesson uh, after making so many mistakes. And it's this. No correction without connection. No correction in our home without connection. So here's what it is. It's you can't do that. But look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Let me hold you. Let's talk. I want you to share your world with me. How are you thinking? Why did you do what you did? What's the emotion that you're having? Name the emotion. And then I'm going to share my world with you. When you do this, it makes me feel this way. When you do this, I'm scared because I think this is going to lead to this. This is my world. We're going to share our worlds. There's no correction without connection. Tell me your truth. And I, as a parent, this is my job, I'm going to tell you the truth. You can have your, your truth until you meet the truth. You understand that? So the year of connection, what do I mean? What I mean is that this is the year of communication in reality. Write that down. It's communication in reality. That's connection. When you want to connect with somebody, you want to connect with them. You want to communicate with them in reality. And that's actually what the Bible calls prayer. Communication in reality. That is prayer. Any and all forms of soul commun communication with God, that's prayer. It's, it's telling God, this is what I need because this is what I feel. It's, it's having times of being quiet, wait, like we talked about earlier, waiting before God, being silent before God. Just I'm not going to say anything at all. I had a whole season of my life uh, right before I got married um, where I, uh, every morning, would just take a half an hour walk, and I, just would, I told God, I'm going to go on this walk, and if you want to come, come along with me. But I'm going on this walk. Like, uh, I, 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 want, I need, to hear, need to hear from you on a number of things, so I'm just going to create some space to be quiet. How many of you guys understand that walk is prayer? That's prayer. It's living a life, connection is living a life of I present my life to you. Look at me. I'll expose myself to you so you can tell me the truth. That's prayer. I'll expose myself to you so that you can tell me the truth. And this is exactly what Jesus is setting his disciples up for in this passage. I want to work through this passage just a little bit more because I think there's more for it. Uh, more for us in it. So uh, look back down at your Bibles, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. I would argue that this prayer is not, it's a good thing to memorize, and you should pray it. 
I'll say that. Let me just give like a caveat. It's a good thing uh, to memorize. You should pray it. But I believe that this prayer is to be the template for all prayer. This is the template for all prayer. Uh, Next slide. Here's what it is. It's Father. So here's where you start. You start, Father. God, you are not a distant spirit without feeling. You are a dad. Is that how you, is that how you pray? Your whole life. I'm going to treat you, Father. You're not distant. You're a dad. Holy. Hallowed be your name. Holy. You are other than me. This is what Antonio was talking about. You are other than me. You are higher than me. I have the fear of the Lord and awe as I approach you. And do you see, this is every church, every Christian ever has emphasized either Father or Holy. One of the, uh, one of the two. Either he's Daddy God and I have nothing to be concerned about and he's just like me or he's Holy and he's angry about your sin. No, it's Father, your dad, and you're so other, holy. Your kingdom come. My life is about your mission, not my own. All good prayer is this. My life is about your mission. It's not about my mission, right? That's actually what the fear of the Lord will produce in your life. It's daily bread. Give us our daily bread. In other words, you provide air, sunlight, water, food. All good things come from you. It's not just actual bread. It's everything good has its source in you. What is it next? It's forgive. It's forgive us. And I love this. This, is, this came to me as I was just reading it. This, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. It doesn't say, I'm going to try to forgive everybody who sins against us. It's like a prophetic declaration. I forgive everybody who has ever sinned against me. Sometimes we just need to say something, and then something is released in the spirit. I forgive, I forgive them. I forgive them. Teach me what that means. Help my emotions come alongside that. I forgive them. Forgive. Make me right with you, and then give me correct sight. Being right with God, forgiven forgiven of your sin, that gives you new eyes to see the way that people have treated you, the way that you have existed on this earth. And then lastly, deliver us. Don't bring us into temptation. Deliver us. Keep us from evil and specifically from not trusting you. Do you see how this becomes a template for the, our disposition? It's really it, even more than just what we say. It's a life disposition before God. Father, holy, your kingdom come. Daily bread, forgive and deliver us. Now, then we get a little bit of a lesson on how prayer works. In, uh, in verse 5, so it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight. You said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine uh, on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose that one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. You know, this, this uh, little kind of parable shows up a couple, in a couple of, of the other Gospels. And in, in the other Gospels, it says, uh, in order to preserve his good name, he will get up and give you what you need. So is it your shameless audacity, or is it, him preserving his good name that causes him to give you what you're asking for. Yes. Yes. It is your persistence with God. This is the lesson. It's your persistence with God making the choice to seek him that reveals his character. Your persistence reveals God's character. That's what Jesus is teaching you about living a life of connection, a life of prayer. Uh, Verse 9 to end, he says, So I say to you, 
Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is how you're supposed to see God. He's doing these comparisons. He's like, here's the way that it works on earth. It's even better in heaven. It's even more than you would think. You have to see God like the kind of dad who gives better gifts than your dad gave you. That's the way you're supposed to see him. The kind of dad, who is God? He's the kind of dad who's a better dad than you. Now, when I read this, um, you know, the, the whole passage seems to kind of fit together. But then there's this last verse that almost seems to come out of nowhere. Uh, because the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned anywhere in this verse. He's not teaching about the Holy Spirit. He's not giving us a theology on who the Holy Spirit is. He just at the very end says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In the, in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, he doesn't say, like, pray for the Holy Spirit or ask for the Holy Spirit. But at the very end, he says, God's so good that he'll give you his Holy Spirit. To Jesus, the ultimate answer to any prayer is the experience of walking with the Holy Spirit. All of your prayer, all your petitions, all your asking, seeking, knocking, you may think that there's an answer you need. But Jesus says the ultimate gift, the gift that reveals the goodness of God is the Holy Spirit in your life. See, why did the disciples want to know how Jesus prayed? You ever ask that question? Why did, why did they want to know how Jesus prayed? They already knew about prayer. Apparently, John has been going around teaching uh, his disciples how to pray. So why ask at all? Why did they want to know how Jesus prays? Well, because Jesus was more effective than anyone else. So they're going, you're more effective than anyone else. How do you pray? You have to have something different than what everybody else has, right? They're asking about prayer. But Jesus is like, what you're really after is you're after God's Holy Spirit inside you. That's what you're really after. You want, if you want to do what I did, you have to walk with who I walk with. See, how did Jesus do what he did? Did Jesus, uh, you know, come, come to earth and, you know, he's 100% God, 100% man. And so because he's God, he just did everything as God. Is that what, is that what the Bible teaches? That doesn't, let me help you. That is not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is Jesus at one point is asked, you're casting out demons by Beelzebul or by the devil, essentially. You're casting out demons by demons. And he's like, no, I'm casting out demons by the Holy Spirit. So think about that. Jesus doesn't say, no, I'm casting out demons because I'm God. He doesn't say that. He says, no, I'm casting out demons by the Holy Spirit which is the very thing that Jesus says the Father will give you if you want it. The Father will give him if you want him. So what is he saying? If you pray like me, if you live a life of connection with God and his spirit, then you will live like me. If you want to live like Jesus, you need what Jesus had. And what Jesus had was connection to God with the Holy Spirit. See, God's plan from the very beginning 
is to get his world inside you so that you produce his world around you. God's plan for every person is let me get my world inside you. Let me get my spirit inside you so that you produce his world around you. From Noah to Abraham to Moses to David, it is all the same pattern. Connect with me in reality. Pray. (laughs) It's the short word for that. And watch as you actually change. As you become like me. See, guys, God meets us in reality. I want you to understand that today. God meets us in reality. I was in a meeting with a group of uh, leaders in our church uh, probably like a month ago or so, and Stephanie Sticka said something that I've just been like chewing on ever since then. She said one of her favorite quotes is, is this, God meets us in reality. I'm not sure what um, your experience with the church has been. Maybe, and I would hope this, maybe some of you are new to the church. You haven't been to church before, or it's been a long time, or you didn't grow up in the church. Uh, But I found that growing up in the church, a lot of this is just fake. Have you experienced that? You're like, (laughs) you come to church, and at the same time, everybody raising their hands. At the same time, saying the same things. And after a while, you're just like, okay, do you mean it? Or is this fake? A lot of church is fake. We're telling each other lies. But we're using Christian words. And so it gets sanctified. And what I realize is the reason why we do this is not because people are evil or Christians are uniquely problematic or bad. But the reason is that every person wants to belong. And there's a culture. And when you come into a culture, sometimes you don't learn exactly why the culture exists. You just learn the culture. And so you just parrot what everybody else does. In this church, we do it this way. In this church, we do it that way. We just want to belong. And so Christians, like what I'm I'm trying to get at is Christians, we have the answer of the cross and the blood of Jesus that is designed to enable you to face reality. It's designed to help you tell the truth. And yet so many Christians can still be the ones who lie in this place, but it doesn't start here. If you lie around people, it's because you've lied to yourself. If you don't tell yourself the truth, if you don't choose to live in your reality, then you'll lie to God. You'll lie to the people around you. And then we wonder why we're so dry. Why am I dry? Why do I feel like God's distant? It's like you lied to yourself. And because you lied to yourself, you've lied to God. And you wonder, where are you? Guys, Stephanie Sticka, everybody. God meets us in reality. I can't give you a better lesson than that. God meets us in reality. So many churches, I don't talk about this very often, but so many churches in our country are devoid of the presence of God. But they keep up the right words and the right motions and the right language and the right songs and the right teaching and all of that stuff. But no presence of God because it's all a lie. They're not telling the truth. 
because they can't tell themselves the truth. And I'm telling you, if you're not telling yourself the truth, it's because you don't believe the blood covers even that. You don't believe the cross even takes care of that. You don't think that his light really does dispel all darkness and that everything exposed becomes a light. We don't tell ourselves the truth. Every truth told to God is like a cry coming from his child. Mom's in the room. I don't know about dads always, but mom's in the room. It's pretty tough to hear your child crying in another room and just ignore it. I'm always just like, babe, just let him cry. He's going to be fine. He's going to be okay. She's like, I can't. It grates on me. I have to go. God's like that. Every truth told. When you start saying, I'm going to tell the truth about myself. No, I really, I'm doing this because I believe this, and I believe this because I don't trust you. Connection in reality. Prayer. It's communication. Tell him your truth, and then let his truth change it. That's prayer. And this is such a big deal because this is where real power comes from. This, disciples were designed to live in power. You know, Jesus just said, do what I did. I'm like, why, why do we not see what Jesus saw? It's like, if you want the power, the peace, the ability, the answer, then you need connection to the Holy Spirit. But if you're going to get connected to the Holy Spirit, you have to live in reality. You have to tell the truth. Here's how this works. This was a big revelation for me this past year. And it's a little bit of an equation that I want you to, to maybe even take a picture of or write down. If you have no power, you look at your life, you're like, I have no power. Nobody that I pray for gets healed. Nothing, you know, I pray for all sorts of things. I ask, seek, knock. Nothing ever happens. If you have no power, it's because you have no surrender. And if you have no surrender, it is because you have no trust. And if you have no trust, it is because you have no communication. Do you see how important communication is? If you have no power in your life, it's because you have no surrender. Power always follows surrender. God, your will be done. Power. If you have no surrender, you don't need to beat yourself up about it. Like, I just, ah, I'm going to try to surrender. No, you just don't trust God. You don't believe that God is good. That's okay. Admit it. I don't trust you. And so that's why I don't have any surrender. And if I have no trust, it's because I don't have any communication. Think about it in the positive, where there is connection in reality, where there's connection in reality, where there's prayer, trust is developed. Think of that with, like, think of it with a child. If you're a dad, you understand this. The highest value of a dad is trust. So what do you want to build with your child? You want to build trust with them. Tell me why you did what you did. Tell me what you did. Tell me what's going on in your heart. Share your internal world with me. And when that happens, what happens? We develop rapport. We develop trust. And where trust is developed, surrender is possible. All of the, I'm going to let go of trying to control my life, and I'm going to trust you, is a result of the belief that God is good. If you don't have surrender, you just simply don't believe that he's good. And that's okay. You know what you need to ask for? Prove it to me that you're good. 
I don't trust you. Prove it to me that you're good. Let's connect in reality. My reality, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to raise my hands and say, I will give you all of my worship because I actually don't believe that if I give you all my worship that you are actually good. I don't believe that you have my best in mind. So I'm going to connect with you in reality. I'm going to tell you the truth. Trust gets developed. Surrender is possible. And when surrender happens, the Bible says that God acts in power to bring about heavenly fruit in your life. Heavenly fruit in your life. In the words of Jesus, here's how he put it. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay connected, communicate, tell the truth, and you will live a life of weighty, heavenly fruit. But you stay far, and you will do nothing with your life, according to Jesus. Your life will not matter. Now, you may have heard myself or anybody else on the stage talk about fruit a lot. What do you mean by fruit? What is heavenly fruit? What do I mean by that? Well, the word fruit for Jesus in the New Testament authors is a term that encompasses all kingdom stuff. From answered prayer, that's fruit. Dying to yourself, becoming more selfless, that's fruit. To healing, praying for somebody and them getting healed, that's fruit. To the increase of peace in your life, of love, of joy in your life, that's kingdom fruit. What is, what is, when we say fruit, what do we mean? We mean it's the good stuff, the stuff that when people see it, they taste heaven. Like, that's good. What is that? And here's what Jesus is saying. You're not going to bear fruit that you haven't become. you got to stay connected to me if you're going to bear fruit. Jesus is looking for you to not just kind of have any fruit associated with your life, but for you to organically bear the kind of fruit that remains. See, John 15 ends a curious way. I've never taught on this before. We've never talked about it before at the church, but I want you to see this. Jesus says at the end of John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What does that sound like? He prepared good works in advance for you to walk in. That's what it sounds like to me. What kind of fruit is it? It's fruit that will last. See, God doesn't want to come to your life and find that you have taped grapes to your branch. Think about that. He doesn't want to come and be like, what is that? Is that some scotch tape? And some, like, somebody else's fruit? What is that? Because taped grapes will eventually fall. So he's not just satisfied with you having any kind of fruit in your life. He wants the real deal, the kind of fruit that came from connection with him. That's the kind of fruit that he's after. He says, stay connected. Receive the nutrients that I'm giving you, and you're going to become something. You're not going to just have flashes in the pan. You're going to become the kind of fruit that produces every single year. It's the same fruit because you changed. Your beliefs changed about me. You trusted me. You surrendered, and you saw my power come through your life. It is in God's wisdom, his design, that he gives branches nutrients inside so that the branches naturally bear fruit on the outside. It's the inside out. Connection matters so much because in the kingdom, you won't bear fruit you haven't become. But when you stay connected, you'll bear the fruit that he uniquely designed you to get. He uniquely designed you to get fruit. 
So what does this all look like practically? I want to end here. I can see some eyes like glazing over. Okay, I'm trying. I'm preaching my heart out right now for you guys. So just, you know, maybe like shake it off. Okay, here we go. Here's where we're going to end. Kill fantasy and play your role. Kill fantasy and play. That was a little uh, on the nose, uh, a little overstated there. But kill fantasy and play your role. Aside from lying to yourself and to God, one of the main things that will hinder connection and bearing real fruit is attempting to bear somebody else's fruit. When you live, maybe this is some of you in this room, when you live with a sense of unease about who God has made you to be, if you live with an unease about being responsible for the things that he's made you responsible for, and you look at everybody else's life and you go, I would love to be them. I'd love to get that fruit. I want to be important like them. I want to be loved like them. When you do that, you are opting out of the person that God has made you to be. See, all of us have three images working in our life. We have the internal image, which is how we see ourselves. How do you think about you? When you think about you, how do you think about you? Who are you? That's the internal image. Then you have the projected image. This is who we want people to think of us when they think of us. It's what we project. It's what we construct. It, from the clothes that we wear, the cars that we drive, the places that we live, the things that we participate in, the restaurants that we eat at, the people that we know, all of it is building this image that we project into the world and say, I want to be known this way. And then there's a third image, and it's your actual image. It's who you really are. And when our focus is on a projected image, when our whole lives are about manicuring a projected image, connection to people will be prioritized instead of connection to God. Because your whole identity is designed around what will they think? What do they think? How did they respond when they said that? Okay, I'm going to say that or I'm not going to say that. What do they wear? Where do they go? What's their degree in? How much money do they have? And we're constantly referencing a thousand data points in order to project who we want to be because we want to be loved. It is all about love. It's just love me. And I want to be loved the way that all of you love that person. I want their fruit. Because maybe if I had their fruit, you would love me like you love them. How do I know this? Because I've lived it. The past 10 years of my life, this has been the primary thing that God has been trying to get out of me. Stop trying to be someone else. Be the person I made you to be. And if I, if I can release like an impartation over especially some of you younger people in the room, I just want to say God has prepared things for you to walk in in this life that are 10 times what you think would be a fulfilling life. What you, where you think you're going to find love, he's like, connect with me in reality. Tell me the truth. Tell me that you're disappointed. Tell me that you're frustrated. Tell me the reality so that I can shape you and I can give you the nutrients you need so you bear the fruit that I planned for you to bear. All projected image is living in fantasy. It's arranging your life in such a way that people get an idea about you, but it's not a true idea. It's a lie. And the most damaging thing is that you don't, you never, when you do that, you never will play your role. Like, God has a role for you to play. God has a role for you to play. 
So let me just remind you from last week. God made you to do good works he prepared for you in advance to do. Now, this week, what are we learning? You discover those things as you live a life of connection. As you live a life of prayer, those things naturally begin to come out of you. Your greatest service to your family, look to, look to the person to your right and left. Look at them. The person that you came with, your greatest service to them, to your family, to your friends, your greatest service is to stay connected to God. It is to choose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share truth in reality with God. I'm going to stay in communication instead of living in fantasy. Because you're not them, and you don't have their life, and you may not have their gifts, and you may have unique limitations in your life that that person doesn't have. And maybe, just maybe, that God in his wisdom intended it that way. It was an intention so that you would play your role, that you would play your role and you would become the kind of fruit that lasts. Philippians 2.13 says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's all read this together. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Your purpose in life is not your purpose. It's his purpose. Did you get that? It's his. He made you. He made what you're designed to do. It's his. And it is God who is going to work in you in his will and in his activity to bring it all about. See, God doesn't reveal a dream or a purpose or a vision and say to you, all right, make it happen. He doesn't do that. Although we live that way, he doesn't do that. No, it's his will and it's his activity in your life. Whenever it becomes your will and your activity, that's when you feel pressure. That's called the heavy yoke. And many of us were like, well, I'm just doing what I, I think I'm supposed to do. And you're like, well, why are you always heavy? See, there's a light yoke. The light yoke is discovering what he really made you to be. Whenever it come, becomes about your will and your activity, then you feel pressure. But what he's giving away in this passage, anyone who wants the Holy Spirit, the Father, he's a good dad, he'll give it to them. What's he giving? Here's my yoke. Here's my yoke. The yoke is a, is a work instrument for two oxen. So he's saying, come partner with the Holy Spirit. And watch the light, the, the light load and all the work that happens and all the fruit that comes. So God is going to make you a real gift. But that is going to come from your connection to him, your connection to him. So 2024 for Saints Hill, we want to put a target on prayer and on connection with God, on being with God in reality. So I have, a, I have a couple different uh, ideas for you as we close. Two ideas. One is corporate and one is personal. The corporate is this. Come to pre-gathering. Uh, take that one, that one down. Yeah, thanks. Um, come to pre-gathering prayer. We have pre-gathering prayer at uh, 9 a.m. every single Sunday down in the lobby area. Invest in seeking God. <laughs> Invest in pursuing him. Asking, seeking, knocking. Come to pre-gathering prayer. Uh, if you come to pre-gathering prayer, Maybe you could take it even up a notch. We have intercessor prayer. Is that 8.30 or 8, Steve? 
8. 8 a.m. every Sunday, intercessors, a group of intercessors, walk this whole perimeter and walk through the building, and they take one of our core values, and they just declare it and pray it over this space. They invite the Holy Spirit to come. Any agreements? How many of you guys understand? We, let, we don't inhabit this world. We cohabit this world with a real spiritual world around us, and there are agreements that people who uh, we have no control over have made in this space and in the, around this building uh, that are demonic agreements. So you know what we do? We break them. We say, as for us and in our house, we're going to serve God. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and the God of light to come dispel any darkness. And so uh, invest in prayer. Invest in seeking. Come every single Sunday, 8 a.m., right in the lobby. That's where they start, and they, they, they walk the building. And then uh, thirdly, we're starting, um, I know I, I talked about, like, when you think of prayer, you think of meetings. So, but this is the corporate stuff. We'll get to the personal in a moment. Uh, we're starting a once-a-month prayer night. Um, uh, every month, starting uh, January. What's the date, Jake? The 25th. Uh, Thursday, the 25th. Uh, we're going to have more details for you next Sunday. We'll announce it and all of that stuff. But I just wanted to make you aware. Uh, if God is moving in your heart right now to seek him, seek him. Make a choice. Make a plan to actually pursue God in prayer. We're going to do that corporately. F- we want to foster in our church a seeking, asking, and a knocking culture. Now, personally, I want to, I promise, I think I've said like I'm going to, I typically don't do this. I've said like I'm going to end here, and it's been like, that was like three things ago. But anyways, I promise you, this is the last. I want to give you a map for connecting with God. Some of you, maybe you're new to faith, and you're trying to figure out, you're reading the Bible, you're trying to understand like this, the the Bible and its original context, and what what could this mean, and and this is so weird and all that. I just want to give you a little map for connecting uh, with God. When you come to God, start here. God, would you read me? When you open the Bible, you know, we talk about reading our Bibles, but would you say, God, would the Bible actually read me? I'll submit myself. What I mean by that is I'll submit myself underneath your knowledge and will. I'll come underneath you. And, and I heard this recently. Real prayer is where God speaks first. So come, read me. Here I am. Here's my life. Here's the truth. Secondly, have a truth exchange with God. I feel this, I think this, I believe this. I, I, need, I need to know what's true. Here's how I feel. Actually, that's a radical thing I was going to mention too. It's radical just to say, what, do I, what am I feeling right now? Just to be able to identify, like, what do I feel right now? Why do I feel that? That's the second step. Why do I feel that? So powerful. Share it with God. And then lastly, make a choice. Say, thank you, God. I'll make a choice to put my focus on who you are and what you have done. So read me. I'm going to tell you my truth. I want to hear your truth. Let's exchange. And then I'm going to put thanks on my lips and choose to put a focus on what you have done. We're going to have a sermon activation. Uh, Lexi's been writing those. They go up on our website when the sermon's on our website. So if you're at all curious, like want to follow along a little guide for this week, uh, there will be a sermon activation uh, for that. Finally, I want to just read this. Verse 13. If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's stand and let's pray. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.